About Empathy is a podcast about patient, caregiver, and healthcare provider experiences with serious illness. This podcast gives voice to their stories. With each episode, we hope these engaging discussions inspire you to have more empathic, authentic, and compassionate conversations. I'm Dr. Irene Ying, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Dr. Dori Sekaracha, and I'm Dr. Giovanna Siriani. For years, we have worked together, taught together, and learned from each other in our roles as palliative care physicians. Thank you for listening. At the young age of 18, Serena Tejpar was injured in a car collision as a backseat passenger that left her in critical condition with almost no chance of survival. Over 40 doctors and nurses fought to keep her alive that night. Over the next few days, after having two cardiac arrests, one doctor in particular made the decision to give her a fighting chance. Serena was put on an ECMO machine, a form of life support that put her in an induced coma and functioned as her lungs outside of her body. Despite the many challenges that came with her injuries, she was determined to get better and return to her daily activities. Not only did she pursue her Bachelor of Medical Sciences degree, but she went on to pursue a Master of Science in Global Health with a specialization in globalization and equity. This trauma reaffirmed Serena's interest in medicine as a career. She is currently attending medical school at the Temerity Faculty of Medicine at the University of Toronto. Her miraculous recovery drives her to live a life of purpose and of service to others and ensure that patients are provided compassionate care that will lead to positive health outcomes and experiences. Serena, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Can you describe for us how your experience of serious injury and recovery confirmed that medicine was the career for you? Yeah, I think that there were many experiences that really showed me that medicine was my career path. And seeing the healthcare team navigate my medical uncertainty, advocate for me and give me words of encouragement when I needed it the most. They treated me like a human being, even when I was not conscious and allowed my family to see that I was being treated like a human being, an 18 year old rather than an injury or or an illness. And my experience really showed me firsthand the impact that compassion and kindness can have on a patient's experience and overall recovery and the privilege to be present during someone's most wonderful and most vulnerable moments. I think the opportunity to really have a tangible impact on a person's life, health, and well-being, and share in their emotions, and, and being able to care for them when they need it the most is truly such an incredible thing. Is there a specific story that comes to mind that you'd be willing to share? A story or experience where you really felt that the healthcare team embodied empathy in their work and trying to support you? There were a few moments, but I think one that that really stands out for me was when I was in the ICU and it was just shortly after I'd been tricked and my muscles were atrophied and I really couldn't do much for myself. The curtains were drawn and the nurses were changing me and I think it was a medical student or a resident had just barged in. And the nurses immediately stood up for me. They advocated for me as if they were advocating for themselves. They protected my dignity and and they were my voice when I didn't have my own. That's a really powerful story, Serena. It makes me happy that we have providers that do that for patients. 
not many young people will have experienced that. So I'm wondering how that experience helps you as a medical student. What did you bring from that experience to the work you do now as being on the other side of the bed? I think the dual perspective that I carry being a trauma patient and now a medical trainee really gives me an insight into a lot of the challenges that patients go through and many of the emotions that they feel. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone that you see is going through a journey of their own and you know people have different ways of coping with experiences and being in hospital for for so long days can blend into each other and and I think that having that unique understanding of the emotional roller coaster that often comes with being a patient has really allowed me its unique sense of empathy and compassion to every patient interaction. And to keep that in mind, that being a patient, no matter what you're there for, is challenging. And to treat everyone with kindness and and compassion. And in general, do you see that when you're in the hospital? Do you see many people understanding that? Or do you have a sense that there's still a lot of work for us as healthcare providers to do? I've seen so many people around me show compassion and empathy, but I do think that there is something unique of having that lived experience and sharing in that emotional connection of being a patient and really truly understanding what it is like to have a chest tube inserted or chest tube removed or be draped or go in for those multiple surgeries. Mm-hmm. I think there's something unique and, and I don't know if that can be learned. Kind of flipping back to the other side of your experience as a patient, you recently authored and published a children's book called You Are So Much More. Congratulations. Thank you. Tell us about your inspiration in writing that book and about the main message or messages you hope it conveys. So throughout my hospitalization, I made many leaps and bounds forwards. I also had my own share of steps backwards. And recovering from these severe injuries and dealing with all of that medical uncertainty was and and still is not easy. And throughout this time, I had an incredible support system in my friends, my family, my healthcare providers, and constantly reminded me of where I had been and how far I had come. They reminded me of my strengths and they also created space for me to feel the many emotions that I was going through. I think knowing how challenging it can be and and how few resources there are out there for patients navigating some of these challenges, I wanted to create something that would help others through some of the most difficult moments of their own similar journeys. And so I wrote this book as a reflection of my own personal experience as a patient, the many self-affirmations and words of kindness that helped me navigate this hospitalization and my medical journey and, and helped me be where I am today. And so this book I wrote to help remind children going through an illness or injury, no matter if it was acute or chronic, to allow them to realize that their illness doesn't define them and that they are so much more than what they are going through. That's such a beautiful message, Serena. I'm sure a lot of patients and families are really going to be positively impacted. I just have a question as someone who generally is trying to find words of comfort for patients and families. And trying to find that balance between providing comfort, but not necessarily, I don't know if the word is like falsely reassuring, but you know, sometimes when we're in our low moments and people try to provide messages that may be 
optimistic, sometimes that can be taken maybe in the wrong way as being like, you're feeling this low. I don't feel like things are going to be better. Why are you telling me things are going to be better? Do you have any advice on like how to navigate that tricky balance? Yeah. And I think that's such an important point. I think that we often focus more on the positive and think about, you know, you're resilient and you can go through this. And I think children in particular, we think that they're such a resilient population, which they are, but often constantly focusing on you can get better, you know, this will go away or it doesn't really leave room and space for that emotion. And I think mm-hmm. giving them the space and giving, you know, all patients the space to be upset and feel that sadness and be angry of how their life has changed now is is just as important as some of those encouraging words. I think there is a balance that needs to be made and creating that space for some of those real emotions that come with being a patient is also so important. Yeah. Serena, have you had any feedback from patients, young children who are going through illness or their families in reading your book? Have you heard from anyone in terms of how it's impacted them? I've had families and patients just say that they tear up and that they feel as if their emotions and experiences are validated. And I think that that was the goal. I think if it can even help just one person, then I think that going through the emotions and experiences that I did and being able to use that to help someone else was worth it. And it really is nice to see that families and patients can read these words of affirmations and and just feel a little bit better about those experiences. Sounds like people are really connected with the words that you wrote in the book. And those words are not just words that you created, they're words that you lived and you were vulnerable and and able through your talent and experiences to share that, I think is a wonderful thing. So thank you for sharing that with the world. Thank you. Serena, when you were going through your time at the hospital, it sounds like you have many memories of being treated as a human being and being treated with a lot of compassion and empathy and it's positively impact what you bring to medicine. I always worry sometimes families don't get the same amount of care and compassion that we want to give them. What was your family's experience with you going through such a life-changing event? I think much of my family's experiences when I was not aware of what was going on. But from what they've shared with me, Mm -hmm. there were a lot of little moments that really reassured my family, particularly my mother, you know, that I was being cared for the best that I could. That's good. Yeah. My mom flew from across the country to be by my side Mm -hmm. when she'd called the hospital to let them know that she wouldn't be available for four hours. They said, don't worry, we'll take care of your daughter like she's our own. I think that gave her a sense of of relief that those four hours, I don't need to worry or don't need to worry as much. She told me that when they had arrived, they had given the family a separate room for some peace and quiet. And each surgeon, each healthcare professional came by, you know, gave them a little bit of a rundown as to what had happened what would be happening next. They shared the honest truth, but in a very compassionate way that she's had Mm -hmm. a couple cardiac arrests, may not make it, but 
we will do everything that we can. And I think it was in the delivery of that that really helped my family feel that I was being cared for and, you know, felt that they were being incorporated as well. I think it was those little moments, the little spaces that were given and the little moments of interaction to keep them updated and and answer their questions that I think really helped them feel included, even when none of us really had a lot of control as to what was going on. Right. Thank you for sharing that. I'm thinking of that one sentence, you know, we'll treat her as if she's our own. And to me, that doesn't take a lot of time to say, but the impact that could have for a mom is pretty profound. Serena, you focused on, I think, the positives of your experience quite a bit. And I think in medicine, we learn from both the things we do well, but we always kind of effort to improve when things don't go as well. And I think that's just part of the culture of medicine around improvement. Was there anything that you experienced personally where you saw that there could have been improvements in the system or the way that care was delivered to make that experience better? I think throughout this experience, I I definitely had my fair share of, of negative experiences with the healthcare system. And I think a couple that stand out were when I'd been transferred to a new hospital, I was being seen by a number of different physicians and specialists and I think not having them introduce who they were or what specialty they came from was confusing both for, for myself as well as my mother who was there through everything to really understand why they were here and what they wanted. And so I think that that really was the difference from, from the two hospitals. And definitely affected our experience negatively. I think another one was around the same time when I had just been, you know, moved to another hospital and, you know, getting my full physical exam and recently had a laparotomy and so my abdomen was obviously tender and the physician just pressed my stomach and and pressed my abdomen and I just started to cry. And the first thing he said was, you must be anxious. You're in a new environment. I think having some of the emotions and some of the experiences I was having almost dismiss really made me feel like I was not being seen or not being heard. Thanks for being willing to share that. Yeah. I think those terrible experiences that you went through that impacted you, that stay with you to this day. But I think also those are things that we can as healthcare providers easily address. It doesn't involve a whole overhaul of the healthcare system. It's really simple. Introduce yourself. Why are you there? Check in to make sure someone's not uncomfortable. I'm so thankful that you shared that because we don't have to invest money in that kind of system. That's just something that's good practice. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So Serena, as we wrap up, we always wrap up asking our guests if only they knew. So from your perspective, what do you wish healthcare providers knew about the patient illness experience to help them provide more compassionate care? Just like the contents of my book, I wish healthcare providers knew the many emotions that patients go through while in hospital as they navigate their healthcare journey and that medical uncertainty. I wish they knew how challenging it is to be in hospital when days start blurring into each other and how what they say and and how they say it and the compassion and empathy that they show patients is what they will really remember. And those not so small acts of kindness are the big acts that really leave a lasting impact. Thanks, Serena. Well said. The not so small acts of a kindness really make a big impact. So 
Thank you for sharing your experience with us and sharing your talents with the world. And we're so thankful you're in medicine so that you can provide excellent care to all your patients in the future. So thank you. That means a lot. So thank you so much. You're listening to About Empathy. This season of About Empathy has been funded by the Gold Define Award through the Tammy Latner Center for Palliative Care at Sinai Health in Toronto. The Tammy Latner Center for Palliative Care's vision is to allow patients and their families to experience a seamless system of caring through the embodiment of its core values of humanity, collaboration, innovation, and communication. To learn more, visit tlcpc.org. Welcome back to About Empathy. It was so wonderful hearing from Serena, her experiences and perspectives as a patient and now as a medical student, soon to be doctor. What were the main lessons or take-home points that you heard from listening to her speak today? From my perspective, I think what was really striking was, you know, her sense that for a health professional to truly understand what a patient is going through, they have to be or have been a patient themselves potentially. And so I think that's a real double-edged sword because on the one hand, if you went through that experience of being a patient, that's a traumatic experience. For Serena, that was months of being in hospital and months and years of recovery. And so, you know, on the one hand, that experience was, was potentially traumatic for her. But the other side of that is that it gives her such a unique experience that then she can draw on as a healthcare professional. So I think, I think Serena is a better doctor for it, mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. think, but she had to go through such a difficult time. And so I think then we have to think about as health professionals who haven't gone through that or who haven't had a patient experience, you know, how do we better provide empathic care and compassionate care? And I think we kind of have to draw on that piece of cognitive empathy, that piece of perspective taking, of kind of taking that time to reflect and think, what's it like to be in their shoes and what's the experience that they're going through because we can't draw on our own personal experience. Mm-hmm. There was um, a slide I saw once at a conference where it showed that, you know, our empathy tends to decline as we go into clinical mm-hmm. practice and we start seeing patients and declines. And then it kind of steadies for a while. And then actually, as you progress in your career and you become older, you have more life experiences that your empathy starts to kind of pick up again. Hmm. I always found that so interesting and it makes sense, intuitive sense, right? Like you get older and your parents fall ill and you have to fill Mm. that role of caregiver and you then truly understand how challenging that can be. And I think for our listeners who may be more early career or mid-career, who haven't gone through those experiences, just even understanding there's such a huge gap in your understanding. We've talked about this before on the podcast can be just so helpful where you're coming from that position of humility, understanding that as much as you try to understand the patient's perspective, there's always going to be that lived experience that you can't quite cross. I think that makes me think too of Serena being the author of a children's book. And I think about if you haven't lived that experience for yourself, like how do you get a sense of, you know, what it's truly like? So narrative, storytelling, the medical humanities, kind of hearing that perspective and reading stories or experiences or listening to stories or experiences as being a way to tap into that as also another approach, but really good point, Irene, too, about how over our career of 20, 30, 40 years, how that'll kind of change over time in terms of our life experiences informing our practice. It's really Mm -hmm. interesting. 
Mm-hmm. I also think if you're a young practitioner, she gave a lot of really good information on how to make a patient feel heard and seen. Mm-hmm. She talked many times about the little things, and she said it much more eloquently than I'm saying it now, but it really struck me that her memories of that story she provided, you know, so you don't barge into a room when a patient's being changed. Maybe you just peek and say, is it okay to come in now? You don't have to have any big life experience to do that right from the beginning. You don't have to have a big life experience to always introduce yourself and say what your role is. And I think it really is, and Giovanni, you said it even when we were speaking with Serena, you know, these aren't big system changes. We need those as well, for sure. But there are things we can all do right now, which are these little things that obviously have a big impact on a patient and their families. And she gave so many beautiful examples of that. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure we all have those little things we've learned as time gone on. You know, I always try to read the chart. If it's a new patient, I try to read the chart and then go in and not make them tell me everything from the beginning, but sort of make life a little easier for them and say, this is what I've learned so far. Please fill in the gaps for me or tell me if anything's not right. I can't tell you how appreciative people always seem to be with that. And once you've known the patient to write little notes to yourself, like just remembering something important they told you that's in your note that you remind yourself because you want to know that too, like a child's name, their husband's name, a big birthday coming up where you can ask that. It just makes people feel heard and seen, I think. And she really said how important that is when you're that patient. Mm -hmm. And I think we would all feel that if we were the patient as well. Do you guys have other things? I always make it a point to ask the patient how they like to be called. Yeah. Because, you know, a lot of patients, they have a nickname they prefer or they prefer their middle name over their first name. And I find that when you go in to see them on subsequent visits, you call them by that name. Yeah. The defenses like just automatically just kind of melt away. You're like, this is obviously someone who's spoken to me before on a very like humanistic level. Yes. And I just find that it flows much more easily. And then the other thing that I always like to do is I like to look around the patient's room, see what they're wearing, see what book they might be reading, trying to find any kind of common ground. So again, just like really trying to find the person behind the patient. And I think that the benefit goes both ways. One is the patient really feels listened to and seen as a person. It's easy when things get busy to start thinking of patients as their illness. When you attach a more, again, like humanistic point, like a place they love to go or a book or an author they love, or recently, you know, a patient who really had a lot of Disney apparel around them and (laughs) connecting on that point, because I am also a big Disney fan, it really helps then to not remember the patient as an illness and to remember them as a person. And I think just automatically the care will improve when you take that perspective. I like that. What about you, Giovanna? You've touched on, I think, a lot of the the small strategies that I use. And I think just to emphasize that 
those strategies don't take a lot of time at all Mm -hmm. is that it takes, you know, a few seconds. Serena had mentioned how one of the healthcare providers telling her mother, you know, we'll take care of you as our own. So powerful. What's that? Yeah. Yeah. Four or five seconds. Serena and her mother remember that to this day and just thinking about how impactful that can be. So I think all these things are small gestures that have a high impact for a, a long period of time, but that take you as the healthcare provider very little time. And I think that's just important to emphasize. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Maybe we'll end with Serena's words where she said, empathy is what they will remember. I thought that was so powerful. So many thanks to Serena for joining us today and sharing her wonderful lessons and messages with us. Our clinical experiences have taught us that there is much to be learned in the stories of the people we care for and work with. We hope the story that you heard today has inspired you to engage in compassionate, authentic, and empathic conversations. Subscribe to About Empathy on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Podcasts, or listen on our website, aboutempathy.com. When you subscribe and rate our podcast, it helps others find us. Each episode will be added to your app when we publish. Please share our podcast with your family, friends, colleagues, and health professionals. You can find the notes from today's episode and information about our show on the website. About Empathy is a Kickback Productions podcast hosted by Giovanna Siriani, Dori Sekaracha, and Irene Ying. Recorded and produced by Jackie Skinner. Music by Jerry Finn and Jackie Skinner. The podcast is recorded virtually and funded by the Gold Define Award through the Temi Latner Center for Palliative Care at Sinai Health in Toronto. Visit us at aboutempathy.com.